Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, uh huh. You know what it is. Black and orange, black and orange, black and orange, black and orange. Yeah, uh huh. You know what it is. Black and orange, black and orange, black and orange, black and orange. Burrow throwing down when he sees it. You know it's all over. Black and orange, black and orange, black and orange, black and orange. OG and Daddy O with Bridget. Let's go. Number one, Bengals podcast. Number one, Bengals podcast. Wow, that was so inspiring, especially the daddy has the number one Bengals podcast part. It's very riveting, John. So thank you for that. It's all interpretation. It's not the correct interpretation, but, you know, it is art. Yeah. It, is, it is art. Every time John does one of these, he like I think he can't become my favorite coworker, and then or yeah. like he can't become more of my favorite coworker, and then he yeah. does. So yeah. I like John way more but than he is your only. Not, I mean, yeah, no, the... it's it's not like a high bar, but no, the, no I mean, you, the gap he is grows the only co- every week. He is sure. the only coworker here. I'm your boss. We don't work together. I work. I give you work. And you work on the work. You gave I, me shenanigans to deal with. You know, we are here for the number one Bengals podcast. It's a show about the Cincinnati Bengals who play the Pittsburgh Steelers and beat them on the road despite... Monday. Yes, despite TJ Watt, you know, having a lot of great plays again and Joe Burrow getting a lot of balls batted down, line of a scrimmage. He, He's annoying. He really... He's a yeah, nuisance. He is very annoying. Like there's yes. no there's nowhere else to describe it. Like he's that good. He's just ugh. Yeah. But also, I mean, you know, I think that Burrow, he modified his approach. He, you know, was beating them with the kind of shorter routes, with the sideline passes, and he just picked them apart. And so I am very happy that we have a very special guest, a man who's known as Angel Face, one of my favorite guests of all time. He's going to break down this matchup, especially the line play, and also we're going to preview the next game that the Bengals play. So let us welcome Mr. Parker Blake. Well, hey, guys. Hey, Parker. How are you doing? Oh, never better. How are you doing? I'm very good. Very zen. It, it looks like yeah. he's emerging from the heavens. I don't know if it's the lighting or I don't know if it's daddy. Yeah. Light. A lot of light. Yeah. So, Parker. This is the perfect post Steelers victory song. I love it. It's That's just how like we all we're feel, right? Elevated. We... we are joyful. We are zenful. I love it. And And who else but Parker to put you in that place to make you feel innocent? And, and free. So Parker, look, I have been following your breakdowns on Twitter and you really, you know, you pointed out the good, you pointed out the not so good. What, where was the offensive line against this defensive line that really tore them up in the first matchup? How did these they are, respond this time? These are the good Twitter breakdowns, not 
the other Twitter breakdowns that seem to be happening everywhere else. So yeah, yeah I mean, give it. To I, uh, I saw Cordell got graded at like Volson was like a fourteen or something. That was a little, a little on the low end in my eyes. But <clears throat> no, I think I think it looked really good. I mean, especially compared to Week One. I mean, they were ten times better than they were Week One, and I think I was impressed with the way that. Collins and Williams looked, especially coming off of injuries, and Colin, Collins not having the best first half of the season. Jonah telling his knee to go back to where it's supposed to be. I think, you know, I think that looks really good against two really high-quality pass rushers. Yeah, so you had both Lel and Jonah mainly being on islands for most of the night. Jonah had Alex Highsmith, who got the better of him in the first game back in Week 1. TJ Wad missed a decent chunk of that week one game, but this was the second game back and he was going up against Lyle Collins. So you had TJ Watt making two Herculean plays yep. against Lyle. And this was a theme from the first game too. And it's kind of been a slow emerging theme from the season. General Joe Burrow's getting a lot of pa- passes batted down at the line of scrimmage as someone who coaches and teaches offensive linemen. Like what, what is the lesson that how, how do you best prevent that? Or is that just, those are just plays that you have to live with if the defense just does its job. Well, it's 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 a combination of things, obviously, as everything in football is. But I, I think it comes down to the physicality of where the Bengals line at is at in that area. They're just they don't get on guys in pass protection. They just kind of set back and wait. You know, are very very passive, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But when you're blocking that way, you kind of have to be better at clearing guys out, moving them laterally, opposed to you know being physical, just moving them out of the way. You got to be able to deflect the pressure to open up those passing lanes. And what I've been seeing so far is, especially in the interior, they're just kind of like getting – they're walking themselves back into the pocket, and which condenses the throwing lanes for Burrow. So Burrow's throwing essentially through defenders every time they're running their quick game stuff. Which is what about, what about the what about the pump fakes? Should they be doing that? Well, they can pump but not in the quick game. That's the hard part. A lot of those batter balls come, down, come out of like the three-step right. stuff, one-step stuff, which you don't really have the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, so let us talk about Volson. You said he had a 14 grade in in the PFF. Not, but, not I mean, his grade. Yeah. Yeah, that was PFF. Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, really, he did kind of again. Uh, it was Samaj P. Ryan, his touchdown, who kind of broke the ice in terms of a scoring, like it was in that AFC Championship game, and it was Volson who really showed us something on this, right? I mean, there he is. Stanley running. Morgan, too, yeah. Just yeah. Stanley Morgan getting the work. Karras had a pancake on that play on the middle linebacker. Yeah. Well, I mean, awesome. I don't know. I don't know if that's on the sideline, you mean? He was eating a pancake? <laughs> oh, yeah. For I, sure. I think because nice he's yeah. 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 I don't know, if, I don't know what that does. Yeah. Catered IHOP for everyone at that game. Yeah. You didn't know? No, it was that breakfast plate from McDonald's. Uh, I don't think those pancakes are actually really good. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they're made of. It's not pancake batter, but. Yeah, I think it's sawdust. But, you know, if you look at Lyle Collins, he also ate a pancake, as you said, here. And it was on TJ Watt, of all people. So, yeah. 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 So that was My favorite part about, like, people in that play is, like, what they've been they just keep saying that Lyle just fell on him. But, like, you don't understand. Like, with a guy like TJ, if he dips that corner, usually he's sliding through. And Collins actually had pretty good hands on that play and 
Yeah, but why not fall on him? I mean, you're. I know. You're, I yeah. think you should always fall on him. Yeah. That's a given. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of people are starting to appreciate Joe Burrow, you know, because he's going to receivers that you wouldn't expect. P. Ryan, of course, had the three receiving touchdowns. But there was also a man that I want to talk about who a lot of people didn't count on coming into the season. But he's got a lot of guts. He is a very brave man. He's, he's fearless. A lot like his father, John, I'm sure you remember. But here we see Trenton Irvin hugging the game ball. I love this photo so I love much. this photo. Reminiscent of his father hugging a crocodile. Oh, I don't think that's right. And you know, I'll allow you, it. You get the... <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of misinformation, but I'll allow this. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean... Uh, and, from and a then, legality standpoint, I must say, Trenton Irwin is not the son of the late Steve Irwin. We can't necessarily okay, prove that. You don't? I mean, I, no, yeah. I, I don't have the DNA test. Right. But, I mean, look, I want to just talk about that fight, that, that kind of fending off the crocodile kind of attitude that he has on this... <laughs> And so that, that was a big play. That was a big play. He turned a, a short route, and I don't know what that music is, but he turned a, a very short route into uh, something special. And he's, he's again, he's, he's someone we didn't count on. And he also had this touch. And is that your see, jungle music? I believe I believe that, that's trends. Different. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a tough Trenton's catch, though, because he was, he was running to the left. And he had to kind of come back a little to the right there, and the defender right. was right on his back. So it was a catch. And that, those are small, in that, that, that little, little bit of time that he has there, the fact that Burrow can rely on him shows that you know, they're developing good chemistry. I was, yeah. Did you say that people were not giving him enough credit coming into this season? I mean, he no, I'm saying played. no one expected us, you know, for him to be one of our, you know, go-to targets or, or important receivers but I mean, you know with the injuries and yeah yeah was it it was the game against the panthers right where i you can remind me if it was falcons or panthers but I, my assumption is it it was after jamar was out but i feel like he was making critical catches even then and showing what he could do and in the preseason now granted right you're not playing starters but i feel like Irwin was really showing out maybe the last preseason game against the rams so one my favorite thing about a three tutty game for pirine one touchdown for like the nicest looking, most joyful human being you could have in Trenton Irwin is that it proves to people that we are not just a team of Burrow to Chase or uh, Burrow with the three Migos who are undoubtedly good, but yeah. that this team has depth and that makes us dangerous and competitive. And I loved that showing yesterday. I will say but, that this yeah. game, just real quick, Daddy, like you mentioned the preseason, Bridget, and the preseason is when we talk about players who may have better cases to beat out other players to make the roster. Both Trent Irwin and Smasha P. Ryan for the past two years, they came onto the team, I think, like late 2019, both of them, right? And they stuck around for these past couple of years. They continue to showcase why 
they were important. Maybe not in the most obvious moments, right? But in this game specifically, like these four touchdowns were because of these two guys. And it was a great example of why players like these tend to stick around. Even if they're maybe, they may not be the most exciting players in the offseason talking about them. They may not completely fill out those respective position groups perfectly. We've all talked about Chris Evans wanting to see him more and how Samaji Piran has this, you know, this iron grip on the number two role. Like Trent Irwin is elevated from the practice squad for three straight weeks and he's out snapping Mike Thomas, who, by the way, got waived today. So Trent Irwin has basically been wide receiver three for his team ever since Jamar Chase went down. And it was like this game where it's like, yeah, these are why these guys have continued to stick around with the team. Yeah. I mean, Parker, I think, did you want to say something? No, I, I'm just I'm just pumped that he's part of the 53-man roster. Oh, oh. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, look, the uh, Trent on Irwin, you're right. I mean, we have the Migos. And I, I, I just want to talk about Joe Burrow, his ball placement, and his timeliness with his passes. And he's doing it in a very, uh, you know, in the way that winning quarterbacks do late in the season, in the playoffs. And I want to just throw some passes, and I want to get Parker and John's opinions on them. So I like this one here to T. Higgins. It's in the third quarter because, you know, you see three defenders around T. Higgins. It doesn't seem like a huge play, but, you know, he's, he's a splitting the defender. He doesn't have a ton of velocity on it. But his ability to kind of, he has a feel for the, where the defense is, where the ball needs to be placed, and he just makes, you know, he makes the play. I mean, this is the kind of stuff, keeping the, the sticks moving, right? Yeah. There were you two can react throws. To, yeah. yeah, there were two throws to Higgins and Irwin, and I think it was the last touchdown drive that it was like the first time where they were really trying to stretch the field other than that long ball to Higgins, and they were just perfectly placed. And yeah, they were great throws in late game. Or not everything went right for Burrow, right? It was it was kind of ugly at times. There was those obvious, obviously those bad balls at the line of scrimmage. There was some pressure that he had to deal with. And he couldn't always stretch the field, but when he had those opportunities, he didn't waste them. I was just really grateful. Speaking of Burrow, that he did not hurt his knee on that one hit that also hey, ended up down. having a late hit. I don't know if anyone else watched that and just like sucked in a huge breath but the way his leg bent it wasn't a natural but it looked yeah. painful and i but you have to panicked until yeah. he but you have out. to remember so joe burrow two years ago he tore 18 ligaments in his knee and when you have done that your knee it it, it is invincible at that point and i know i looked this up i looked this up when you have torn every ligament that is possible to tear and then you fix it 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 is basically like your knee it's not it's no longer like, it's like it's like city putty or it's like plastic it's not a, it's not like our knees so that is why he was fine well, it's like chicken pox you can only tear it once right that's exactly what i was trying to say thank you that's why parker's on the show that's why parker's on the show he by the way he is the only one who has real coaching experience john he has well, real coaching experience yeah why, why do you think he's here exactly <laughs> exactly and, I mean, I mean no, offense to, little... no offense to Bridget. No offense to Bridget. Go ahead, Bridget. Well, yeah. Matilda's just a little angry. You didn't ask for her opinion. Yeah. On it. I mean, she makes this time to show up. She's probably the cutest. I think Matilda's been busy giving show. us her thoughts for the past few minutes. If, if my ears I don't are correct. know. I don't know if you that you couldn't possibly have heard that. You know, she's got quite the loud purr engine. <laughs> 
I want to talk about another Joe Burrow pass, if it's okay. I like this one here. They said it was a great catch by Boyd. It's in the fourth quarter, nine and a half minutes left. But I mean, again, again, it's just, a, it's just a big time play, perfect ball placement, you know, the quick release against that pressure. And look, maybe the Steelers don't have the best pass rush in the league. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch games that the Bengals don't play. But they have the, the mental edge. And so for Joe Burrow to make those kind of plays in that situation without the Jamar Chase, without it's not just about the fact that, again, it's not just that Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the NFL. It's the fact that he's our only a speedster. He's the only guy who can get, you know, who can completely take the top off a, a defense. And without that, Joe Burrow has had to rely on the, you know, mid-range kind of games. And there was a bunch of passes. There was one to the tight end, Hayden Hurst. There was one to Joe Mixon, where he just he just attacked the middle of the field. He just out smarted the defense right he saw the read right away yeah i mean park have you ever seen a running back have a little 15 yard dig when he was lined out wide no but i new. loved it i loved yeah. every single second of it <laughs> it's like a, it's like running an angle route out of the backfield except from out wide but you can do that when you're mixing when you run a four five at 220 or whatever it's crazy well don't get do you the, think I he's mean, still, the chris evans will yeah. agree with that as well do you oh. think he is still has a four or five john Eh, After the, it's, it's, yeah. it's here and there, you know. Yeah, I mean, but that, he, but that he throw did... to Higgins and that and there was a one to Irwin right after that too. Like you had to remember yeah. that the drive before they were stuck. This one. Sorry, yes, John. I know the music. Yeah, yeah. Th thank you, thank you. So, but yeah, but those two were important because the drive before that they were stuck at their own ten. The Steelers exactly. were only down by four points. They got the ball back exactly. again, and then those yeah. two got them out of their own end zone. So, yeah. yeah. And one more pass I want to talk about, which is I want to talk about Joe Burrow's touch on the deep passes. Which again, this is a different type of deep pass to a Jamar Chase, you know, vertical kind of go route or something. This is a touch pass. This is a Russell Wilson in his prime type of pass, and this one was to T. Higgins here. I think, you know, you look, at, look how he just, he, he finds that little pocket there on the sideline. Perfect touch. Again, I, I feel, what I'm trying to say, you know, and what I want you guys to comment on is, I feel like he's matured since, since the Jamar Chase injury. I feel like he's settled down and he's, he's seeing the field better. He's taking advantage of I, I don't know about that. There. Like, yeah. he knew there was a camera right in front of him and he just laid down an F-bomb. That doesn't sound very mature to me. I don't know. We got multiple on Sunday. We got in the locker room, on yeah, the sideline. I, I just worry, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lack of awareness. A lot of people are watching. Eh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, Will Andrews was talking about the soundtrack. I don't know. Anytime you play a Trenton Irvin highlight, that's crocodile music comes on. I have no idea. Oh, it's the crocodile. Got it. Yeah. His ancestry. I like but, Burrow dropping the F-bomb a little. I feel like this takes some of that, like, it, it, he's calm, cool, collected when you need him to be. But I love that he also shows that fire in yeah. him. Because I, everybody talks about how he is in the locker room, and we don't get to see it, right? He doesn't have as much of a mouth on him like Uzama did or... Mixon is really like a heart and mouthpiece of the team. But I like those glimpses into the fire Joe Burrow has because I think it helps us understand that winning mentality that he brings even when they're down even when things are tough i i like yeah. let him drop a an f-bomb or two i dig it well i don't know if hr should be talking about dropping bombs but i guess that's the kind of show we have around here 
I don't know. John These are the kind that harm Parker, no let one, us see what Parker... Except little children's ears. Well, hold on. I just want to see Parker. I want to get... Go ahead. What is the what is the policy? What is your stance? Hey, I love it. I love I love seeing the emotion. I love seeing the fire, especially out of our guy the franchise. So I mean, okay, I'll sign. Well, I'll, I'll I'll sign off on it for sure. He's got okay. the override. I like Parker it. is okay with it. So then I guess I'm okay with it. But look, all right, let's just talk about the next week. Cincinnati, or we could talk about Samaj Piran. Did you guys want to talk? Do you think this is anything? Do you think this is just that one of those freak games where he had, you know, because I mean, I have always believed in Piran. What I like about Piran is he always moves forward. He's always, you know, he's that old school throwback running back who he just knows what to do with his body. He knows how to kind of, you know, drag the defenders with him. And we saw it on the second, the first touchdown was beautiful blocking. And, and by the way, Piran did an amazing job of reading the blockers. I think he has a real gift for that. What, what have I always said, man? If you put Samaje Piran in Joe Mixon's body, it's maybe the best running back in the NFL. Yeah. Piran's he's very, super decisive. It's really effective. He's but super decisive, time, but yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Every time he has the ball, I mean, he just makes quick decisions and just goes with it. I feel like Mixon gets trapped trying to like jump cut and like make too many reads. Whereas yeah. I think Piran's more of a, oh, I see this, I'm going to go. But Piran seems a little stouter too, John. I think it's it's also his build that helps, no? Yeah, he's a big is boy. It, we, we've is talked this about when we talk about Piran's booty again? Yeah, we've, we've talked about no, 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 his no, caboose. No, 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 been very no. present. <laughs> the Steelers saw a lot of his caboose today. because they're they sure did. Here. Hold on, hold on. Parker, are you okay with this conversation? I'm definitely okay talking about Piran's caboose if it's going to carry us all the way to three touchdowns. Thank you. Okay, Thank I might you, have to find sir. new music for Parker. Okay, <laughs> see, like, look, but but, Daddy, you said it, it, this is a freak game. Obviously, he's not going to score three touchdowns in every single game. But none of those plays were like not indicative no. of what he can do when he's gotten those opportunities. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. I exactly. Need, I mean, we I think don't need yeah. Pirine to score three touchdowns in every game, right? Like the beauty of our team is that we have the players who, and Zach Taylor always says this, right? We've got people who, when their number is called, they step up and they make plays. And so Pirine has a three touchdown game. Uh, two weeks after Mixon has a five touchdown game. We don't, I mean, it's great to have your superstars. Everybody doesn't need to be a superstar in every game. And again, that's what makes us competitive and dangerous because we've got different weapons who can do different things when we need them to. And Pirine is, I mean, Zach Taylor thought it might have been the same play on Pirine's first touchdown, maybe that they called in Kansas City. I think Joe said it wasn't. But Pirine changed the momentum of that game in Kansas City, and he did it again yesterday. And that is an invaluable yeah. thing to have on the team. And I, it's a valuable thing to say on the show, and I said it like 15 minutes ago. But look, I want to look at those two touchdowns. So I want to look at the second touchdown here and the way that he – look at this. Look at this. Takes that hit. They just, that guy just falls off of him. I mean, Piran is a big dude, you know? And I feel like with that beard, imagine that beard gets in your eye, you know, gets in your nostrils, you know? I think that would make... Parker, does that contribute to his being hard to bring down? Oh, 100%. It's like putting a wing on the back of your car, you know? It's like plus five horsepower. 
This is amazing. John, I, for years, John has been on the show. He's never provided this type of analysis. Okay, look. And also, I want to talk about this touchdown here. So there's another one. Look at this. Just, again, he just, like, he, it's not even a real stiff arm. It's like a half a stiff arm. But he just knows, okay, I'm going to throw my weight to the right corner of the end zone. And I'll be able to get, like, he, he just, you know, he knows what to do. So there, John. And for being stout and, like, a solid, solid little dude, he was light on his feet running against the uh, the sideline like that. Like, his level of awareness and then ability to throw his weight around was really impressive. Like, Piran deserves all the flowers today. Yeah, he doesn't have that breakaway speed, but he makes guys miss. And that's something that I think the run game has been missing a lot this year. But especially, I mean, you get him in space full speed, it's like you're not going to tackle him with one guy. I give him the ball with the Super Bowl on the line again, 100%. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I think we have something in him. And I think Joe Mixon looked better too, by the way. I think Joe Mixon is running more decisively. I mean, I don't know what his yardage was, but I feel like he had way more positive plays than he did early in the season, you know, once again. But okay, let us move on to the Tennessee Titans, our next opponent. And the Tennessee Titans are the only team I believe in the NFL operating without a quarterback, they have what they call a game manager. And this mm -hmm. team is, is all about the defense and Derrick Henry, the running back, who last time the Bengals faced him in the divisional round, was coming off an injury, did not look like himself, and DJ Reader and company shut him down. DJ Reader was back last game, didn't look like himself, coming back from the injury, but what do you think? Is, this, is it going to go their way again in terms of shutting down the run game and forcing Ryan Tannehill to throw, you know, four or five interceptions again? Right. I mean, that game was full of things that you can't necessarily rely on. Like, you're not going to get sacked nine times and win. You're not going to always force three interceptions and whatnot. I don't think it's going to be that ugly. I think the Bengals offense line is much better than the one that they had against the Titans back in January, but the Titans defensive line is still pretty tempted. So it might just be another one of those <clears throat> hard-nosed games. I, I don't imagine the Titans necessarily exploding on offense, but I think the return of Jamar Chase will definitely impact this. Like how healthy is he going to be? He's going to practice this week. Is he going to end playing? If he does play, how much is he going to be used? It's, it's a lot of variables that we don't know right now. Yeah, no, I... They're, they have a couple injuries on their D-line. Titans do, if I heard that from a reliable source, but I can't confirm that. But I the Bengals O-line's better. The Titans D-line, they're not going to get nine sacks again, like John just said. Like I I think the Bengals definitely have the better team in this matchup. If they could just force Ryan Tannehill to act like a quarterback, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, yeah. So a couple of thoughts. Uh, I feel like we didn't give Drew Christman maybe the credit he deserves. I think he had a decent performance uh, coming in first game this season. And I, so I will admit, I was worried. Um, I feel like McPherson had been a little shook with Clark Harris's injury. And he's been on, he's been off. And I was like, okay, you've got to... We've still got a backup long snapper in. Now we're going to have a different holder. I know he's worked with McPherson, but <clears throat> game environments are different than practice. And McPherson didn't have a miss, made great kicks, 
all his extra points. And so I feel like coming into Tennessee, I mean, the Titans remember what Money Mac did to them in January. And I feel much more confident in our ability to kick field goals and secure those what should be easy PATs given Chrisman because I feel like there was something that maybe wasn't clicking right with Huber. Yeah, I think I think what I'm hearing you say, Bridget, is that they can go back to the regular class. These the punters and the kickers, they don't no, have to be in the no. special class anymore. They're not the special team. We don't. They're say just that. the team. We're... They're just the team. This is why we don't talk about specialists unless they do bad, because it leads to stuff like this. Yeah, Parker, is that why? Why do they call them specialists? Why do they have their own practice field and they have their own coach? And they have lower standards. Let's be honest. Look, Randy Bullock did not have an NFL waistline. I mean, if you're not an offensive lineman, why do you need that waistline? Neither but, did but, the Steelers punter. Did you see that? Okay, <laughs> you're proving my point. You're proving my point. So, so Parker, what, what do you think? Are they part of the real team or are they the special team? Uh, they're definitely specialists. They specialize, you, you know. I mean, everyone else on the team can do everything else. You can't. I mean, we're not going to pull Ted Karras out to kick PATs. There you go. That is exactly what I was saying. Oh, this has go. been a great show so far. He really talked gone about my way. why they're specialists. He did not say yeah. they go to a different class. Yeah, so exactly. Not Thank validated. You. Yeah. No, I mean, Parker is on fire. That is what I'm saying. You know, speaking of being on fire, we have had so many people patronize us or cheat us patronizingly or, you know, uh, whatever you call it. And one of them actually doubled her patronage. Alice Pieritz, who's been a longtime patron, and she doubled her patronage. I can't reveal what the numbers are, obviously, but she doubled it, and so I want to give her a shout-out. And we have, obviously, these other patrons that you can see there. So if you want to be a patron and support these you know, beautiful people on the show, like Parker or some of our other guests, you know, so we can afford to get them on the show. Parker, obviously, very busy man, giving a lot of motivational talks. He is a, a very sought-after offensive line coach in Utah. And you can just go there, patreon.com slash dhsports. And finally, I guess we can do our predictions. Before so, we do yeah, our predictions, yeah. one final question I have. So I was a little bit surprised. Uh, my score prediction for yesterday at least on uh sunday morning was 37 17 and i was surprised the steelers were able to get 30 points up on us um is there any john parker is there anything you think the defense needs to tighten up i mean they certainly tighten the screws in the second half like they always do but anything you think uh facing Tannehill and this titans offense or Derrick Henry in particular that the defense needs to do to really come out swinging at the start of the game? You know, I'm going to defer to John. I, I honestly have concerns with the defense too. I was very surprised that they gave uh, Leah loud 30 uh, on Sunday. And I really, yeah, I, the, our, our one stop ability hasn't been impressive as of late. So what do you think, John? Yeah. I mean, DJ Reader not being fully back yet. It, it's, it's a little concerning, but it's pretty natural. Like he missed six weeks with a torn MCL. 
Uh, they're definitely a second half unit for whatever reason. Uh, they definitely seem to make the proper adjustments after the break. They kind of recognize where they're lacking in the first half and they make those correct adjustments. You would think that after a couple weeks now of Taylor Britt being a cornerback, there'd be a little bit more chemistry and, and synchronization with all the communication and whatnot, but they ran into some issues against the rookie quarterback, which is unfortunately another theme with this. So I, I do think it's concerning how they don't necessarily they're not able to generate a pass rush until late in the game. And Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard have been able to be clutch in certain situations this year, but I think they need more consistent pressure, especially coming from the inside. BJ Hill's fine, but he I mean he's not close to what that Geno Atkins type impact was when he was dominating as a three technique. They don't really have that right now. And DJ Reader was unfortunately the best interior pass rusher in the beginning of this season. He's not exactly at that level yet because he's still recovering. So they need to find a way to find a way to supplement some pressure from the inside to get this quarterback's going a little bit quicker because right now they just have a lot of time. No, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Sorry, well, daddy. I, no, I it's okay. Like it is okay. I mean, we needed to, we needed to touch on that before we make. Yeah. Well, I, well I, since you brought it up, I want to talk about the fact that Kenny Pickett. Okay. Here's a guy who is playing with, I mean, I don't know what you call it. I mean, they're not hands. They are more like, you know, those little, um, you know, those, those hands that you, that, that with the little the sticky stuff that you use to grab his stuff. I feel that that is how he uses his hands because of the size, you know. And still, this guy, I mean, he had by far, he had by far his best game throwing the ball deep against us. He had like four passes of 20 or 30 yards. And another that was like, what, pass interference, right, John? There's another deep ball that was pass interference. And I mean, it, it wasn't like he was making incredible plays. It was like they were really open. And I've always been the Eli Apple supporter. He's done his job and more, you know, what he was brought in to do. But, you know, I mean, the previous week, I was encouraged by the secondary's play against Carolina. This time, I don't know. I'm a little worried. I mean, what do you think? Is the secondary, is it... Closer to what we saw in Carolina, or is it closer to what we saw yesterday? Is it not in the middle? Like, I mean, pretty opposite sides of the spectrum there. No, you got to yeah. pick one. You got to pick I one. I said closer. Yeah. I pick closer, John. Closer. Oh, it's probably closer to Carolina. I still have confidence in that group. Wow. But, yeah, I don't know. Was, well, I like that. Stuff happens in the NFL, man. Sometimes Kenny Pickett can look like a decent quarterback. No, but, but but those cor- those receivers were getting open, John. They were consistently getting open. I don't think Pickett played bad. Like, you can't discredit, like, how he played. Like, he played with command for the first time in his career. I, I, my hat's off to him. Yeah. According to yeah. the announcers, he was, like, the greatest quarterback of all time Well, ever. that's – I mean, the standards were so low for him entering that <laughs> Yeah, game. that's it the was... thing is when you see a rookie have his breakout game, and let's be honest, we were all making fun of Pickett before the game, but we all knew as Bengals fans, if he was going to have a breakout game, it was going to be against us. That's just the way it works. But considering – that, like John said, he'd been such a disappointment, and he finally started to show flashes of whatever he was in college. I think the announcers have to buy into that hype to make the game more interesting, you know? All right, predictions. Let's start with Bridget. I So what was it during the playoff game? Was the final score 19 to 16? Does that sound yes. right? I'm going to go Bengals 21-17. Do I need to give more rationale? I feel like we talked about all of the things. Yeah. Our, the defense needs to be more consistent. They'll close it out in the second half. I think 
the, I think Tannehill will be Tannehill and Henry will be able to eke out 17 points. I don't see this as a an incredibly high scoring game. I don't know why. There's something in my gut telling me it might not be. I'm usually very wrong, so who knows? But I'm gonna go 21-17 Bengals. Okay, okay, uh, Parker. Yeah, I they just their offense. The Titans' offense just is not. I don't know. It's not worrisome to me. Um, I don't see it being high scoring either, but I do. Th- I, I I'm feeling 27-20 for the Bengals. That feels like the Bengals can still get close to their 30 mark. The Titans are going to put up some points because the Bengals like allowing first half points for whatever reason, but they'll shut them out in the second half. That's my bold prediction. Okay, Mr. John Sheeran. So we had Rick S. asking, what is the line for this game? I believe the, the Bengals are one-and-a-half-point favorites as of this recording, which seems about right considering they're playing on the road. The Titans have not scored a lot this season. As Parker alluded to, their offense is not that impressive. Derrick Henry is known to pop off for some big plays, but just not against the Bengals. And that has honestly been a DJ Reader impact. DJ Reader has always played well against the Titans, and specifically Derrick Henry. If he comes back to closer to 100% this game after – Getting that one game under his wings a little bit, I think that would definitely help. But I don't know. I, I feel like the Bengals' offense, I see them kind of struggling in this game. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. I think we're going to get the game that we expected against Pittsburgh. I think it's going to be both teams in the teens. And I'm going to say like the Bengals drop this one 17-14. Okay, wow. Well, you guys know my predictions. I usually feel good about the Bengals, but the Titans, very physical team, a very physical team. I feel like the Steelers are a team that is on the decline, and it was a close game until that, you know, second half. They were leading it until the second half. And, you know, we've, we've kind of struggled with the physical teams, but usually with the elite pass rushers, but it's still. And that secondary, you know, I feel like Tannehill is going to want some revenge after looking like a terrible, terrible quarterback in that divisional round. I mean, Jesse Bates picked off his first interception. You know, his first pass was an interception. I mean, I don't think he knew what hit him, and it was just downhill from there. So I would say I feel like the Bengals are going to get punched in the mouth to the tune of a 28-17 to victory for Cincinnati. There you go. There's no, ho- there's no hoji to question you this time. Yeah. It okay. also made no sense, but... Well, when... Okay, punch in the mouth. When you have a party, when you do something, when you have a big celebration, they give you punch. You drink the punch, mm-hmm. you put it in your mouth, punch in the mouth. That, I thought that was clear. I don't, I don't know why I have to explain every single prediction. Well, if the punch is clear, the show. then it's, it's probably not punch. It's probably something else. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was gross, John. But, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Mr. Parker Blake is by far the greatest guest to not only be on our podcast, but to be on any pod, not, not even just podcast, but any spoken word. And we always love him having, have, we love having him on the show. We want him on the show every single week. But as we said, he's in high demand. But I want to thank him for coming on the show, breaking things down, the chicken pox and all the other stuff. And if you don't have any other final thoughts, then I guess, Bridget, My final thought is if you are headed to Nashville for the game, 
tweet at me. I will be there, and I've got an epic toast already written for the Bengal trailer tailgate. All right, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Follow us, you know, wherever you find your podcast, and follow John. Read his articles on cincyjungle.com. Read Parker's threads in Twitter, and follow Bridget on Twitter as well. She is covering all the fan experience for the game. We'll see you next time. So long. Sweetie. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.